In the name of Jesus, amen. Today we're going to be looking at two simple uh, but crucial questions for each of us. Who am I and why am I here? I think many of us have asked those questions maybe many times throughout our lives. Who am I? What defines me? What makes me who I am? And why am I here? What's, what's my purpose? What's the significance to this life that I'm living? Who am I and why am I here? For many of us, these are questions that we are going to be asking throughout our entire lives, and maybe we haven't found the answers yet. And, and for most of us, beginning to ask these questions started when we were very young. From a very young age, we began to think about, who am I and why am I here? Maybe we didn't say it in those terms, or with those words, maybe we didn't even think it out loud, but those questions began to go through our mind. And maybe the, the best example is when we were young, maybe no older than kindergarten, big people, adults, began to ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? And of course, they were expecting us to say, not, uh, I want to be generous and kind and giving. They were expecting us to say, I want to be a firefighter, or I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be a doctor, or a lawyer, I want to teach, I want to be a chef, I want to work on cars. They were expecting us to, to give a career, right? And, and for many of us, our careers help answer those questions. Who am I and why am I here? The, our careers give us an identity and a, and a purpose in life. And if someone were to ask me, who are you? I'd obviously give my name, but then I also might say, I'm a pastor. And some of you might say, I'm a teacher, or I'm a nurse, or I work in retail, uh, things like that. Our careers, our nine-to-fives, help us to answer those questions. Who am I and why am I here? They help give definition and meaning to our lives. And yet, our careers aren't the only place that we find answers to those questions. For many of us, we answer those questions with our achievements and our successes. We have poured our lives into achieving more and more and more. And maybe, again, it started when we were young and we're always searching for that next trophy at soccer camp or looking for straight A's on the report card because those achievements made us who we are and we found purpose in succeeding and striving to do more. Sadly, for others of us, our, our purpose and our meaning in life comes from our failures. Our lives are defined by our mistakes and our sin. And maybe it started when we were young, a, a mean kid at the playground telling us that we were nothing and worthless and and for some reason, that's stuck. And, and now we begin to see ourselves through the eyes or through the lenses of our failures. And that's how we define ourselves, by our mistakes. Many of us are asking, who am I? And why am I here? What's the point of all this? And the truth is that there are plenty of people who will answer that question for you. If you're wondering it, there are plenty of people in our culture and society who have a, a ready-made identity to hand over to you and they would be more than willing to answer those questions for you. Uh, for example, the advertisers and marketers of our world, they are ready and willing to tell you who you are and give you an identity. Think about Apple, right? The computer company, they make the iPhone and iPads. They have an identity they would like for you to see yourself as. They would like nothing more than for you to see yourself as an Apple person, and they would like for you to define yourself by the phone that you talk on or the computer that you type on. But they're not the only ones. I think about Whole Foods. They would like for you to see yourself as a granola-crunching, organic, vegan foodie. And if you, uh, if you saw yourself that way, that would help their bottom line. They have an identity ready to give to you. And you probably know people who have bought into some of those identities. Uh, they're not the only ones. I think of Ford and Chevy, right? They want you to see yourself as the reliable, hard-working uh, American. 
and you probably know people who identify as that. Our politicians have identities to hand over to us. Our politicians would like for you to think of yourself as either a Republican or a Democrat. And if you could find your identity and your purpose in that, they would be happy. And you probably know some people like that too who define themselves by their political leanings. Uh, That's not all though. Satan, uh, he is ready and willing to answer those questions for you. Who are you? Why are you here? Some days he's trying to tell you that you are nothing but your sin, that you are defined by your failures. And other days he, he wants you to see yourself as a rebel, you know, embrace the sin, buy in. And you probably know some people like that too. So amidst all this, it, it makes me think, who are we, right? And why are we here? Are we really defined by our nine to fives? Is that it? Are we just our careers? Are we really defined by our successes and achievements, no matter how much or how little those are? Or, or our failures and our sin, does that define us? Does that make us who we are? Are we really just defined by, by the products that we buy and by what the marketers and advertisers want us to see ourselves as? Are we, are we defined by our political leanings? Are we really just Republicans or Democrats? Does Satan get to define us and identify us? Who are we and why are we here? Well, like I said at the beginning of the service, we're going to answer those two crucial questions with these two simple words, loved and sent. Loved, that's who we are. That's who God has made us. We are loved by him with an amazing love. And, and each and every one of you are loved by Jesus more than you could ever deserve. And then, and then you are sent. That's your purpose. You are sent by Jesus out into the world to love in his name with more purpose than you could have ever imagined. Loved, that's who you are. And sent, that's why you're here. Now, I believe that this theme of loving and sending, it is found throughout the scriptures. Uh, and we could look at a number of different passages, but I just wanted to point out one for us this morning. This is from 1 John 4, verses 10 through 11. And, and maybe you could just read this all with me out loud. We'll read it together. And I think we'll see this theme of loving and sending. So let's read it. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, there we see the the love that defines us. Each and every one of us is loved by God, loved so much that God sent his son Jesus into this world, born in a manger, sacrificed on the cross, risen from the empty tomb. We are loved by God. That makes us who we are. And then we see towards the end that we are sent by him. We also ought to love one another. We are sent to share the love of God in our communities and families and neighborhoods. Who are we? We are loved. And why are we here? We are sent. Now, like I said, uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at these two simple words, loved and sent. Um, But actually, for the rest of our time today and uh, moving forward in the weeks ahead, we are going to just look at that word loved for a little bit. Uh, Because the truth is, we aren't sent until we are first loved. And so first uh, comes love. Uh, Some of you know uh, that before I went to seminary, I spent about a year uh, working at, helping out at the Lutheran home. And the Lutheran home, if you're not familiar, it's a uh, nursing home, senior living community, rehab facility just down the road here in Arlington Heights. And it was there that I learned an important lesson about love. Now, I have to say that the beginning of my time there, while it was a wonderful experience, the beginning of my time there was very frustrating. 
Uh, and I was frustrated because it didn't feel as though I was doing much of anything. Uh, I was busy. I was helping the chaplain, uh, going to worship, assisting, uh, distribute communion. I was visiting residents in their room, uh, going to the hospital. I, I was doing a lot. But I didn't feel like I was maybe accomplishing much of anything. Um, and there was one day in particular that this stuck out to me. We had gone to worship, and then we were going room to room, giving communion to the residents who weren't able to make it to worship that day. And it was the chaplain and I. And I remember we walked into one particular room, and there was a woman in the room who I wasn't familiar with, and she was crying. And so we sat down there with her, and then we sat, and then we sat some more. And then we sat some more, and I remember looking at my watch a few minutes into this thinking, all right, let's, uh, maybe we should ask her what's going on and try to give her a little bit of help. Uh, maybe we could just give her communion because we've got a lot of other rooms to go to and we can't spend all day with this woman. And, and we would do those things. The, the pastor would talk to her and commune her. But first we sat, and then we sat. And it was in that room that I learned a valuable lesson about love. You see, I learned that sometimes you show love with flowers. And sometimes you show love with some grand gesture. And sometimes you show love with your words. You write an eloquent poem or simply say, I love you. And sometimes you show love through sacrificial action and hard work. But other times, other times you show love simply by being with someone. And sometimes the greatest gift of love that we can give is, is merely our presence and as we sat there that day in the room of that woman at the Lutheran home who had few visitors outside of the nurses and caregivers and social workers who checked on her, our presence that day was a powerful display of love to her. See, brothers and sisters, your God loves you with an amazing love. And it is that love which defines you in the eyes of your Lord. Your Lord loved you so much that he came down into this world to be with you. The God of the universe who created the heavens of the earth wasn't content to stay up there in heaven and twiddle his thumbs and wait for time to go by. Instead, your Lord loved you so much that he jumped down out of that heavenly throne and into the humble manger bed. It's that humble manger that we celebrate on Christmas and today that is a, a powerful reminder of God's presence among us that the God of the universe longed to be with you, that he wanted to walk the streets just like we do, to experience hurt and pain and suffering just like you do. You have a God who wants nothing more than to be present in your life. And while today we, we focus our eyes on that manger as one of the symbols of God's presence and love among us, we know that, 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 that God didn't stop being present once he grew up out of that manger because, of course, he would grow up out of the manger and walk those streets and experience that hurt and pain and sin and he would teach and do miracles. And, and then one day, of course, he would go back to heaven to be seated on his throne. But before he left, Jesus promised his disciples that God would still be with them. He said, although I'm leaving you, I'm going to give you the gift of my Holy Spirit who is going to dwell inside of you. And wherever you go, God will be there, present in your life. And even today, as we worship together, God is present with us. As we read his word, our Lord speaks to us in our songs, in our scripture. He comes to us again, his holy body and blood present with bread and wine. Our Lord comes to us in a very physical and tangible and real way. We have a God who is present with us, who shows us that amazing love by coming to be with us. Brothers and sisters, it is that love of God displayed in the manger which makes you who you are. 
See, the truth is that we are not defined by our nine to fives, by our careers. That does not make us who we are. Our careers are an important part of us, and we can do amazing things through the service of our careers, but they are not our total identities. And we are not defined simply by our achievements or by our failures. We are not just the sum total of the products we buy, the phones we talk on, or the cars that we drive. We are not merely Republicans or Democrats. Satan, he doesn't get to tell us who we are either. No, it's the love of God given to us by the sending of his son Jesus which makes us who we are. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again because I know I and, and all of us here need to hear it again. You are loved. In Jesus' name, amen.